Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. The high cost of discipleship. Last week, we focused our attention on Matthew chapter 16. It is in that passage, that particular passage, where we read Jesus saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And you remember we focused on the attention that, listen, first of all, before we even start denying, there's got to be a desire before you can deny anything. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, meaning let, him go, let go of everything that competes with God. And then he said, take up your cross, embrace the conditions that you may meet while on this journey living the Christian faith. And then he says, and follow me after you deny yourself. Listen, don't try to pick up a cross until you deny yourself. The weight will be too heavy. And then he says, after that, then follow me, meaning make a deliberate choice to walk in the life, nature, and character of Christ. And as I read this, I mean, it's a very familiar passage. We all know it. We can quote it without even reading it. But the thing that always catches my attention is the last instruction, and follow me. So that begs the question then, what does it take to follow you, Jesus? I believe that there are three people, three men in this passage in Luke that are going to give us a picture of what it takes to follow Jesus. In the New King James Version, Luke 9, 57, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, uh, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I believe that there are very three very simple but powerful principles in these verses that will allow us a measurement, if you will, to know where we are in this whole effort of following Jesus. And the first one is this. In order to follow Jesus, we've got to have a right perspective. Would you say a right perspective? 
Verses 57 and 58, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said, notice he's unidentified. We don't even know who he is, but not only is he unidentified, he's unsolicited. Ain't nobody asked him to follow nobody. (laughs) He volunteered. But someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Can I, can I give you a cautionary point here? Uh, you, we've got to beware of making an enthusiastic commitment without adequate consideration. Did you hear that? We've got to beware of making an enthusiastic commitment without adequate consideration. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you say. I'll go wherever you say. Child, you better figure out where he's going. <laughs> so he wasn't even solicited. He didn't even, the Lord didn't even ask him. But he makes this bold statement. I'll follow you. And Jesus' response is, the son of man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Right here, Jesus is referring to his humanity, and he's indicating that he has no continuing possessions or permanent material ties to this world. And we know we're right about it because if you read the scriptures, you know that Judea rejected him. You know that Galilee cast him out. You know that Gadara begged him to leave. The devils in Gadara said, please go. Samaria refused to lodge him and the world would not receive him. He said, I want you to understand, in this great grand gesture of yours, talking about you will follow me, I need you to understand that if you follow me, the blessings and the benefits of following me won't always equate to a life of security. You will have me, but you may not have all the stuff you want. Oh, you don't like that. Oh, but it's true. See, because in other words, listen, you're going to have to understand something. If you say you want to follow me, then you're going to have to have the right perspective because he'd already told us in his word that in this world you will have tribulation. But you can be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. See, he's saying basically, listen, you're going to have to have the right perspective because if you're broke... Am I still going to be good? Don't play with me today. This is my third service. I'm tired. I don't think my husband would mind me telling this because I think he's told it himself. But early on in our marriage, say early on. on. He's better now. Early on. (laughs) But early on in our marriage, uh, we had more month than money rather frequently. I know you, this side don't know nothing about that. I feel the money over there. <laughs> Let me talk to y'all. Early, early on, we had more month than money. And what I discovered is when things would get a little lean, Tony, his attitude would change. He was, all, he was sweet as ever as long as the money was right. But when the money was funny, and the change got strange, his attitude started shifting. 
And it took the Lord bringing that thing to his attention because what basically was happening, I know that was not intentional, but what was happening is to him happens to so many of us. When circumstances change, when the things that we put our security in are adjusted differently than the way we like it, we start changing our attitude. And when our attitude changes, we can't hear God about anything. And if we would tell the truth, what we really get is we get mad with God. How come this one has something and I know he doesn't live for you like I live for you but I'm living holy I'm living righteous I'm giving my tithe I'm giving the tithe I'm giving the offering and you promoting that rascal somebody say a right perspective somebody said I got you a right perspective the blessings and the benefits of following me, your security is going to have to be in me. So when you're well, I'm good. If you get sick, I'm still good. If you're broke, I'm good. If you have prosperity, I'm still good. If you're in, I'm good. If you're out, I'm good. If you're up, I'm good. If you're down, I'm good. But if you're following me, Jesus speaking, for what you think you're going to get. If you're following me because you think that that's going to bring you a level of success in this world, then you got the wrong perspective. I imagine God saying, listen, I'm your God. I'm not your sugar daddy. So following Christ is going to have to require finding our security in who he is instead of in what we have. Am I, am I speaking against having stuff? Absolutely not. Listen, Steve, I've been broke. I've been in abundance. I like abundance better. Ain't nobody trying to be broke again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ain't nobody got time for that. But what I am saying is my financial position is not an indication of the goodness of God. Because if it were, then there are people in Africa who we cannot say love him. You and I decide if we want to drive to church if it's raining. There are people all around this world who love the Lord, who walk no matter what the weather is, because they love him. It's a right perspective. We've got this Western mindset. And Jesus said, I want you to know, since you're volunteering to follow me, I want you to understand, I ain't got nowhere to stay. I ain't got nothing to give you. You still want me? If there was no promise of getting anything from God, would you still want him? So he says, the first thing is, you've got to have a right perspective if you're going to follow me. Here's the second thing. 
Not only does there have to be a right perspective, but there has to be relational prioritization. Would you say that? Relational prioritization. You say, where do you get that from? Right here in the text. Verse 59. Then he said to another. Now, wait, wait, wait. Let me say this now. Uh, You know, of course, this is just my imagination here. I I don't know how these guys, I don't know if they were walking together. I don't know what happened. But I, I often think to myself, what happened to that first brother? You don't hear nothing more about him. (laughs) He found out Jesus ain't had no crib. (laughs) Jesus ain't had no money. (laughs) Jesus was depending on on the women to get his his GoFundMe account. (laughs) He's like, I'm out. You don't hear nothing more about him. But then here comes another one. Then he says to another, now this one, he invites him. He says, follow me. But this guy says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now this sounds cold. I don't know if y'all would tell the truth, but this sounds cold. Because Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. He gives him this invitation. He says, follow me. Be in the same way with me. Accompany me as a disciple. And listen, this is an invitation that Jesus made several times. But the interesting thing is, if you, if you uh, did a study on that phrase, follow me, what you would find most of the time is when Jesus made that invitation, most of the time, the response that follows or the text that follows says, They immediately left all, arose, and followed him. That's what you would see most of the time. But in this case, he says to this gentleman, follow me. And this one says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, first of all, I want you to notice something. Maybe it, it, you know, it just wasn't obvious to me. I never paid attention to this before. This fella doesn't say whether he's going to follow or not. He doesn't even respond whether he's going to follow. He just immediately asks, let me go first and bury my father. And here's the caution. We've got to beware of using empty excuses to delay wholehearted commitment. Beware of using empty excuses to delay wholehearted commitment. Why do we say that? Jesus says, let the the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds cold if you don't understand the culture. Stay with me here. In our culture, particularly people of color, when somebody dies, generally what we do is what my grandmama and them used to say is we hold them out. Y'all don't know nothing about that. That's a euphemism for ask the funeral home for a little more time because a couple of things may be happening. One, we may be waiting for Uncle Charlie to make it from down south to up north. Two, the deceased may not have had any insurance. And we need time to get the money together. 
<laughs> Don't get mad with me. It's true anyhow. <laughs> it's true anyway. So, <laughs> some of y'all looking, I mean, you know, I feel you looking like, I don't believe you're talking about my people. <laughs> hey, my people too. You know, or, or like they did with my dad, you get there, and after everything is finished, they looked at me and said, uh, we're going to need to pay for this. <laughs> really? <laughs> and nobody thought about this before arrangements. But that's, that's typically what we, what we do, what we understand. And, you know, not just our culture, just the West, Western culture. But see, in the Jewish culture, it was very different. If someone died today, more than likely by sun up the next morning, they would be buried. So Jesus really caught him and was saying, come on, dude. If your daddy really needed to be buried, he'd have been buried by now. Let the dead, those who are dead to me, let them go on back and bury the dead. But, may I paraphrase, but if you're going to live for me, then you're going to have to leave everything and follow me. Are you seeing that? So Jesus wasn't being cold, he just caught him. And hear me, Jesus was not making an argument for insensitivity or disrespect. I want you to understand that. What he was doing was he was giving a lesson against procrastination. That's what he was doing. Come on. Procrastination says, I'll commit in the uncertain future, but not in the concrete here and now. Did you hear that? I'll make a commitment in the uncertain future, but not in the concrete here and now. Okay, here I come down your row. Lord, I'll give my life to you when I get myself together. Just keep looking straight. Keep looking straight. Nobody gonna know I'm talking about you. But here's the problem. That excuse of procrastination is inherently problematic and the enemy feeds it to us because he knows something that we won't accept. And that is, if you could get yourself together, you would not need Jesus. Without Jesus, you will never be together. And so there's no point in putting him off until sometime in the future. So the enemy tries to keep us from making a commitment, a decided commitment for Christ right now on the hopes of something that's going to happen tomorrow. The Lord, I'll follow you. I'm going to obey you in this situation. If this right here happens, then I'm going to follow you. Uh, who is it? Uh, Gideon? Wasn't it Gideon who said... Okay, now, if you really want me to follow you in this, you really want me to do this, then this is what I need you to do. Let, it, let, it do, let the dew fall everywhere but on this fleece. And if the fleece stay dry, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you said do. After God does it, he says, excuse me, just one more time. 
I just got one more request. So, if it's really you, God, let the dew fall on the fleece and let everything else be dry. I imagine God said, boy, please. I ain't playing with you today, but just cause I'm God. And I am amazed at how many of us as believers use Gideon as an excuse or as a model to follow God. When he says something, we want to fleece him. Lord, if that's you, if you really want me to do this, then you do that. Let me tell you something. God does not have any requirement to bargain with you and bargain with me. He said, if you follow me, follow me because I said so, not because I showed you so. I feel like I'm doing my pretty good teaching today. So he says, first of all, there's got to be a right perspective because following Christ requires finding our security in who he is instead of what we have. And secondly, there's got to be relational prioritization. Listen, following Christ requires giving him precedence over everyone and everything else. And here's the last one. You're about to be going and getting your sleep. Here's the third point. To follow Christ, we're going to have to have real perseverance. Real perseverance. It's in the text too. Verse 61. I guess these guys didn't see the other ones. Because see, if it had been me, and I heard him talking to that first guy, I wouldn't even bother I'm serious. I wouldn't even bother. I'd been like, "Uh uh-oh, he is not playing. Verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid mama and them farewell. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and what? Looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In John uh, chapter 6, in verse 66, it says, from that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And what precedes that is Jesus announces, if you want to be my disciples, you're going to have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Now, some people say, well, the reason that they went and left is because Jesus was teaching some kind of radical you know, there's some kind of radical teaching. That couldn't possibly be true. They could not have believed that he was advocating cannibalism because to do so would have been diametrically opposed to the Mosaic law. It would have been. 
So you, it would be impossible. So it would be impossible to have taken him literally. But what he, what they, what he was saying was, if you're going to walk with me in this level of consecration, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to follow me for real, be walking the way with me, then this is you're going to have to be all in. I, I've never, uh, I don't play. I, I do p play cards. Uh oh. Play a mean bid whist. For my Church of God in Christ people, don't throw nothing at me. But I do. I've been delivered and I still play bid whist and spades. But I don't, I, I've never played poker. I think that's poker when you have these chips. But I've seen enough movies to know that there's a point at which they say, all in, and they push all their chips to the center. He said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be all in. You're going to have to push your chips to the center of the table. You're going to have to put it all on the line. He says, and when, and when we start talking about an all-in salvation, people start falling away. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, in your, put them in your notes. It says, brethren, this is Paul speaking, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because following Christ requires staying the course and not looking back. I love Paul because Paul said, listen, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I, I, I understand what God has invested in me. But with all my education, with all my accolades, I'm willing to push all my chips into the middle of the table just to know him. When Paul made these statements, it is believed that he had, at this point, walked with God some 26 years. And he's now 26 years of walking with God. This is the man that says, oh, that I might know him. He's saying, even after 26 years of walking with the Lord, there comes a point when I have to give him even more when I've got to put all of it on the line, where I've got to persevere in trials, in difficulties, in hardships, in challenges, when people talk about you, when people misunderstand you. I'm amazed at the body of Christ now in this country, how somebody can talk about you and that will send you out to church. You have a disagreement with somebody, and all of a sudden, you leave the body. We can't, you, I, I say it like this, I'm like, you know, we, we are like punk Christians. Just can't take nothing. They don't like me over there. They don't appreciate my ministry over there. Oh, grow up. Pull them up. 
stand up and walk upright. Nobody told you, or if they did, they lied to you. They should not have told you this was a bed of ease. There was nothing easy about the road to, uh, to Golgotha. There was nothing easy about that hill. Nothing at all. But we want to slide through life. There's got to be some perseverance in us. Will I keep following Jesus if it gets hard? Will I keep following Jesus if I don't get my way? Will I keep following Jesus if it doesn't turn out the way I wanted it to? Will I continue to follow Jesus if he does not answer me or if he says no? Some perseverance. And I'm amazed because, listen, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. If nobody else know how to fight, Brooklyn folk know how to fight. Shoot, what you say? I still know how to fight. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire baptized, tongue talking. I'll still cut you. Still cut you. I just fight with different tools now. <laughs> I, had to, I had to fix that, Dre, because they were looking a little nervous. Because y'all know my, my husband keep a knife in his pocket anyway. <laughs> but come on, can we tell the truth? When we were in the world, somebody came up against what we believed. Even if we believed wrong, we argue them down all night long. They sleep deprived because we're insisting upon getting that point across. But the first person that pushes back on our belief, well, I don't want to offend anybody. That devil is a lie. Well, if I say something about them, then they're going to say that I'm phobic. Listen, I ain't scared of nothing. I ain't got no phobia. I know what's, what's right and what's wrong. There's got to be real perseverance. This baby Christianity is not going to keep us. We happen to live in a world where things are easy now. My concern is where will we be when persecution really hits the church? Y'all don't know nothing about no persecution. I'm persecuted. You don't know nothing about no persecution. Nobody's holding a knife to your neck and telling you if you say Jesus, they're going to slit your throat. But we go to our offices and everybody else can pray. Yeah, I said it. And listen, I don't have any problems. What I'm saying is, if you can roll out your mat, I can get on my knees. There's got to be perseverance. Because if not, then we dilute the gospel message. And then people 
come to faith in Christ expecting that things are going to be perfect, and when they are not, then they're angry with our God. And they're angry with him because we misrepresented him. Are we okay? So, what is it going to take to follow Christ? It's going to mean maintaining a right perspective. Christ has got to be my security. I appreciate whatever is available for us to use in this life, but my security is not in my stuff. I saw something recently. It said, Christ minus, no, everything minus Christ equals nothing. Everything plus sign Christ equal sign, nothing. Christ plus nothing equals everything. Not only do I have to maintain the right perspective, but I've got to keep my relationships prioritized. I've got to give Christ preeminence, precedence over everything else and everybody else. I love my husband. Anybody who knows me, I love my guys. My husband and my son are everything to me. Love that dude. Don't tell him I said so. (laughs) Love him. But when my love for him supersedes my love for God, then he just became my idol. He became my God. So there's got to be right priority. I've got to be willing to follow God no matter what. And then I've got to commit to real perseverance. I've got to be willing to follow Christ and not look back. I want to close with um, something that Dr. Sam Chan talked about. He shared the story about how, in our culture, most of the hymns that we sing, they are originated here. And then they are translated into other languages for other countries to sing. He said, but there's one hymn that did not originate here. It actually originated in his home country of India and it was translated into English and brought here. And it is the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. That one, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back they say though none go with me Still I will follow 
Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. That's a powerful hymn. I've loved it since a little girl, but it has a whole nother meaning now that I know the story behind it. You see, we can easily say, though none go with me, I can because my family saved. All my siblings know the Lord. My mom is saved. My first cousins know the Lord now. Very few people in my family are unsaved. I've never had to abandon anything for Jesus. But when he went on and told the rest of the story, it put it in perspective. You see, he said, that is the song that they sing when they give their hearts to the Lord, they get baptized in a public place. And as you know, India is predominantly a Hindu nation. But what you may not know is because of that, if a, for, if a Hindu makes profession of Jesus Christ and leaves Hinduism, he is then rejected by his family, by his friends. He's put out, not only of the home, but he's ostracized from the community. And so if you can imagine, in a public baptism, people walking down the road with other people flanking both sides of the road, people that you've lived with and you've loved, people that you've shared with, spitting at you, cursing you, and decrying that you no longer live. Yet, they say, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If there are people who can give up mother and father, home, respect, and community to give their lives to Jesus, what's our excuse? And we struggle when the Lord says, give the tithe. We struggle 
when he says, forgive. It's no accident that we're in this 40 days of consecration, people. God is calling us to a greater level of commitment. He's calling us not just to love him, but to really follow him, to walk in the way with him. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.